Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the first official show of the Jurors Way PGA, PGA DFS show. I'm excited to do it. Let me get cooking here just in a second so I can do all the good things we need to do to social media. There we go. Excellent. Great to have you. There's two, I think there's two times to, to be in the PGA DFS. It's the early season of the fall swing because you have people kind of distracted by football. There's a lot of unknowns. There's also an excellent time to get into PGA DFS, and that's when football season ends because, again, there's people coming in who maybe haven't followed the season as well. You can identify more groupthink. And speaking of groupthink, we have a lot of that this week. And that that tends to happen anytime that uh, there's a lot of unknowns. So there's unknowns this week. Some golfers have coming in off a little bit of a layoff. We have some Corn Ferry guys who have graduated. We've had some guys, you know, we just haven't seen before. So there's a lot of unknowns. And when that happens, it's easy to get into to groupthink. And with DFS specifically, we want to take advantage of that. So I'm super excited. I appreciate jurors, rocking jurors right here. On the other side, my camera is showing things backwards, but I appreciate you having me here on this Wednesday evening. Talk about the the Fortnite <laughs> championship, uh, Fortinet, I guess. Who who knows? Uh, I don't care. But let's get let's get into it. Excited. Hopefully, Wednesday's treating you well. Hopefully, you're finding yourself in a good place tonight. Let's make some money again. This early season opportunity, uh, or it gives us an opportunity to do that. So. Thankful to be here with you guys and please show your your type your questions. Let me make sure they can work. So there you go. Yeah, type your questions if you have any. I uh, love love it being collaborative. I love being a collaborative show. I mean, you all you all are experts. You're good at what you do. I think everybody has their niches, which just makes it fun. So let's bounce some ideas off each other. Um, but let's just kind of dive in. And so we got the news this week that John or not today, actually, that John Rob was battling a stomach bug. Man, I wish that news came out tomorrow because I, I faded John Rahm. I mentioned that on, on Twitter today and nothing against John Rahm. He's the number one ranked player in the world. He's gosh, on fire, almost won every single playoff event. Uh, should have been player of the year in my, uh, yeah, my opinion, kind of won the U.S. Open. But anyway, maybe should have won the, the Open too. But anyway, so fading him just from a DFS strategy. I, you know, if this is your first time, maybe you're checking in on the Jersey Twitter page and you haven't really followed or you have, you know, me or anybody else that's talking about DFS strategy. This is new to you. DFS is very different than the betting PGA outright market or your basically your betting skills are very different than your skills needed to do well in DFS. Um, it's still important. But again, we're we're playing against not so much a book or the house. We're playing against other people just like us. So we have to identify what other people are thinking. That's just kind of the game theory aspect and find ways on a consistent way to gain leverage over uh, yeah, the field, the, the people we're playing against. And maybe that works well one week, maybe it doesn't, but if that process holds, that leads to long-term success in DFS. And DFS can be tricky because I've seen some people who are amazing at betting outright, but uh, that same strategy just doesn't come. And I've seen people do great at DFS, but not so great at betting outright. So uh, we kind of want to adjust our strategy there, and, and I, I think this show will help if you follow my DFS Monday Night School. Hopefully, you took some things from that, and we had some great guests. Um, so anyway, let's let's dive back in and talk about John Rom again. Wish the information came out about the stomach bug tomorrow because I faded him. And here's the reason why I think you just have to fade at twelve 
12 1 for a salary is just insane. That's incredibly high outside the playoff for the tour championship. But when he's 40% owned, I'm looking at fan share right now that has, uh, well, actually has him down a little bit to, to about 25, which is a little lower than it was earlier. Um, so if that's, that's kind of surprising, that might be because of the, the stomach bug. But I tell you what now, it, you monitor this ownership, especially with fan share. Because if he's getting below 20, he's not there yet, not really that close. But if he gets below 20, you know, that might be an okay time to divide it on, on John Rahm. Um, I, I have a lot of single entry, three entry max this week. I, I predict he'd be more like 40% owned in those contests. But maybe the large field GPPs, let's, let's take a look at that ownership throughout tonight and see if it drops. Because if it does, we may want to rethink things because we might get Will Zalatoris passing him. Um, who's going to one of the higher zone guys, but I fade, I faded wrong for another, a number of reasons more. It's the game theory aspect. You know, you cannot make money long-term kind of playing a high salary guy like that. Who's going to be super high owned in DFS. You know, there's good shock and bad shock and we want to identify that. And we're going to play, you know, what we think might be good shock sometimes week to week. And that's okay. We need that good shock. And it's important to how to roster, you know, how to build our roster based on that good shock, but there's also bad shock. And a little bit of what, you know, I talk about models and things like that is basically some information just on strokes gain data that we incorporate and, you know, trend as well. Not so much trending about, you know, Fanshare has great information about how someone's trending with the ownership, but I really like trending with the ball striking. So not so much with the results, just trending with the ball striking. And Brom, uh, you know, is doing fine, doing great, but more of his long term, and I say long term in the last 36 rounds, he's just not, doesn't have the stats I would want a, high owned high salary guy to have um, the stats needed here so that's you know some with wedges so i'll give you an example one of the most important stats this week is proximity between 100 and 125 almost 18 percent of approach shots this week come from that range 100 to 125 m and john rom ranks 67th in the field so a little little better than than midway through there um ranks 97th and 137th with some of these other wedges that could be used as well and just to come back the tour average of proximity from 100 to 125 that on a normal tournament event with some other course you know let's just say you know quail hollow the average tournament tour event that's 11% and we get almost 18%. And so that's a pretty big discrepancy. And 18% is a lot of approach shots this, this week going to come from that range. So it, it's going to be important. And Rom, this, you know, that's not a strength. Um, he's great off the tees, great driving distance. He's good at, with the long irons and mid irons, but the wedges aren't so much his thing or they haven't been in the last 36 rounds. So it just says, you know, that might be a fade, you know, that considering that plus ownership, plus salary, uh, it, it's just it's just a fade for me because he's hard to, to fit in. But if you like, I'm not going to talk you off, Rom, because gosh, he's the number one ranked player in the world. I'm not going to talk you off him. But we'll go down. You know, Matsuyama is, is pretty interesting. Nobody's talking about him. He's Fancher has him at 10%, which is kind of wild. Uh, Webb, if you follow me, I, I love Webb. He has kind of some short term, so some trend going his way. He has those long term stats that. Uh, pretty good with the wedges. Really like him. Uh, he's projected under 20% right now. It, it, and maybe, again, I should probably say why ownership is is so important. So let's just say Rom in a single entry contest is going to be 40% owned. What leverage do you get? So, so when you against the field, against your competitors, that means 40% 
or close to it. Now, the people that are in your tournament are going to be rostering John Rahm. So that means the five other golfers have to be, you know, more right. You're going to have to differentiate yourself even more. But it gets harder because if you're making then having a guy like, you know, Mito, who might be 25 percent, then you're going to have lineups similar to other people that are not differentiate. And so when you're in GPPs, you know, cash, throw this out the window. But when you're GPPs, your goal has to finish in the top 1% of the tournament, you know, each time to, to be consistent in GFS, DFS. If you're just hovering around the cash line each week in these large field tournaments, you know, you're something, you might be kind of cashing more than, you know, some of the pros, but the pros are almost always going to be more in that 1%. And so we think, okay, ownership helps us identify where we can get leverage. And so we might, you know, be wrong one week, pick, thinking one guy's bad shock, one guy's good shock. But the overall strategy, I say it all the time: st- process over content. Content is the tournament results week to week. So have your process over that. Your process is way more important because if you stick to that, you're more likely going to finish the one percent of in the GPPs. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to point that. And if you have any questions, you know, feel free to reach out. I love talking about it maybe too much. But anyway, we love Webb. They're going into Zalatoris, who is kind of highly owned too. And I, I think people are are betting him or rostering him, I mean, because of his ownership, excuse me, not because of his ownership, because of his upside. He's projected almost 22% right now. He, is, is, he has upside. We've seen it. We've seen it at the Masters. But this, this isn't a type of course I, I would identify Willie Z playing well. You know, it's going to be a little bit of a putt off. He is not a great putter. He's not great with wedges. You know, from that very important statistic of 100 to 125, again, 18% of approach shots are going to come from there. Willie Z ranks 132. That's near the bottom of the field in the last 36 rounds. I don't want that from a 10-5 guy who's going to be 25%. No way. And I want Willie Z on long tight golf courses because he can drive it long and he can drive it straight pretty much. And I want Willie Z and kind of, yeah, when there's long approaches too and difficult golf courses, th- this is just doesn't seem like a Willie Z course. Can he win? Yeah. He's super talented. He's any of these guys can win, but we're going to identify if, if they simulate this tournament, like if we live in a simulation and they simulate this tournament a hundred times, I'd say Willie Z can win, you know, let's just say 15 of those times. But maybe more more often than he should, he might miss the cut. And so, sure, we might land on this week being one of the, out of the fifteen out of the hundred that he wins, and that's that's just PGA. That happens sometimes. But you know, for a guy ten five, I'm just going to rationalize it like someone with his price and his ownership should should be able to win in a simulation more like thirty five times. And so that's just kind of how I think. So he, he's not he's not a play with me again. He could win, but I'm focusing on process over content. Then Nah, everybody loves Nah. He's kind of Cinderella this week. Uh, you know, he's the girl you want to take to the prom. Uh, hard to knock it if he puts like he did the last couple and has a solid approach game. You know, he's going to be up there. You know, Tringali. You know, it's it's easy to kind of like him too. He he fits out here on the West Coast. Good putting surface. He's great with those wedges. Those those are great. I'm not going to spend too much time on Tringali. He's a great play. You know, outside of that, and this is an unqu- this is unquantifiable. But I, you know, I feel like he may have just peaked a little bit early, kind of in or midway point of last year. Uh, I don't, I don't know if he's a nine seven caliber golfer. 
you know, Leishman too at nine five. He, I think he, his course history, he had a top five or top ten here within the last couple of years. You might want to look at Leishman if you're a game theory guy. So this is where game theory really comes in because not much separates a Tringali, a Leishman, a Siwoo, a Sebastian Munoz, a Varner. Not a lot separates those guys in the nine K range, and so. If, if the line between those are very thin, why not go the game theory route just to get the leverage? Because you want to win the GPP. So can kind of consider that. But I, I feel like these guys are going to go really low owned. Uh, Tringali at seven, Mark at six, Siwoo at 10. The reason for that is they're hard to fit in lineups. A lot of people are going to start their lineups with Rom or Webb or Willie Z or Kevin Na. Then it's really hard to fit in those, those guys right below them. And if we're knowing that, if I'm doing the, the drive the green this week tournament, the $5 mass entry, I might say, okay, because people are going to majority start their lineups with, with what I just mentioned, maybe I start my lineups within the, the Tringali, the Leishman or the Siwoo to gain that leverage because no one else is doing it. And so that that's an idea too. And, and so their line, if there's no one you're actually in love with in that range, then play the game theory route. That's how you finish in the 1% of the GPPs and make you know a huge score. Yes, I had three three scores this early in the past year that just made my year, or that I guess that was in twenty twenty, so two years. Yeah, it just made the year, and so that's what a GPP can do. You take down fifty k, seventy five or hundred, you're you're set, and you're hopeful more. But um, you finish them one percent sometime one time, and you're good. And a lot of you know GPP pros will say will tell you that too. They might have they might not finish in the cash line for twelve straight weeks. But the process over content and on that week 13, they went 100K and, you know, they're good. And then maybe, you know, six months later, they win 75. And, you know, that that's kind of how it works. So there's a lot of swings with it. But that's what we have to think of kind of with GPP. You're coming down to Varner. You know, a lot of these guys are getting touted. There, there's so many sharp people out there. I'm not going to just you know beat the dead horse. But I do do like Varner. Uh, champ as well. I'm going to go down to two guys I just really wanted to talk about, and that's Charlie Hoffman. Going to be popular. Let's see what Fanshare has with with Chuck there. You know, at 17%, kind of surprising. You know, I, I thought it would have been a little bit more. Uh, but I, hey, I'll, I, I'll actually take 17% on Charlie Hoffman, and I'm saying he's good chalk for, for a couple of reasons. The first reason being he ranks number one in my model. So my model is considering strokes and approach, somewhat driving distance, somewhat off the tee, the proximity with the wedges that I talked about, and a little bit of strokes gain par five. Par fives are important here. And just Hoffman lights it up across the board. So he's first overall in the model. He's seventh in approach. Uh, from those wedges, that very important stat, he ranks seventh from closer in with the wedges. So it's like maybe 60 degrees, 10th with the pitching wedge. Likely he's 25th. So yeah, I, I really like Hoffman, and he's kind of trended. He finished the season nice last week, and yeah, he just seems like a West Coast dude. He got that flat build. He's got kind of the liver-spotted hands. He probably likes wine. I, you know, Hoffman, you know, riding, uh, riding with him hot. And the guy right below him is getting a lot of love. I will be – I think his ownership it will be creeping up on Fanshare maybe this evening when for the last update, and that's Max Homa. So I love Max, super talented. He's the most talented golfer in the 8K and the 9K range. So both range. So if you're, you you can play him solely on upside, sure. You know, I'm not going to haunt you for that. But I, I think he is going to be a little popular. And so with that popular, 
And also, he's not a good fit. So it's a fade for me with the combination of two. He's not, a, he's not a good fit with the course. I like Max Homa on difficult golf courses like Quail Hollow, um, like Riv. He, he's, I, I don't think he's a birdie maker, and the stats kind of backed it up. But he's not great. You know, Max can actually smoke it off the tee. So he's got the driving distance, and he's okay with this proximity um, with one of the wedges. But he's almost 103rd with, I'm going to say, his pitching wedge. That's 125 to 150. Um, the, depending where they are, that could be like a 56. But anyway, uh, it, it just doesn't feel like a Max Homa course. But I'm not going to talk you talk you out of it, especially if he is under 15 percent and he does have that upside. He's just not in my. Uh, yeah, he's just not in my is my pool. I think he's going to go too popular. He's being talked about too much. And this isn't a Max Homa course. Obviously, I'm wrong again and, and may be wrong. You know, he could, you know, let's say if Max Homa wins, you know, 20% of the time and we get a Max Homa week just out of that 100 simulation, maybe it happens. But um, there's just very little leverage because I think he's going to be more owned and he's going to trend up. We may see tonight on the final ownership projections. Uh, McNeely's talked a lot about right now. Don't don't like McNeely uh, coming down like Brendan Todd is actually interesting and a guy that is not getting a lot of love because people think, hey, Brendan Todd. He's a guy that, you know, we need him on accurate, accurate golf courses because he just hits it straight. And sure that there's some truth to that, but he does hit it well with his wedges. And right now, Fanshare has him at 3%. So just throwing Brendan Todd out 3%. Brent Snedeker too. I, I kind of like him. He's projected five right now, but really the most surprising, and it's likely because he's coming from the Corn Ferry, but it's Steven Yeager and he's at 6%. Talk about a guy with upside. You think Mito has upside? This guy, Jaeger, might have a little bit more upside than Mito. So coming to Mito, he's 25% owned right now. So you must have, you must conceptualize something really, really well to, to kind of fall in love with Mito because there's too many question marks. He hasn't played in a while because obviously he wasn't in the playoffs. Uh, he's, he's, you know, I don't know how old he is, but he's young, comparative. This is his, this will be his first full season on tour. And in the rounds that we do have, we don't. We only have 22 rounds to to base some of the statistic off with Mito, and that could be good or bad. But he's middle of the road with the wedges. He's middle of the road with the approach. He's middle of the road in my overall model. He's just middle of the road, and maybe that's why he's priced at right at AK. But at 25% with so many question marks, is that worth? Is his upside? Because he does have upside, but is that worth 25%? In DFS ownership wise, and like no, if he if he was ten percent, I'd say sure, like hammering, you know, go way overweight on him. But there's just not a. I'm I'm very data driven. There's not a lot of data that that gives me security there. Does he have the upside? Of course he does. But there's no a lot of data that's driven by security. So it, you, if someone people are solely upside players, so like they're they're likely them playing Max and they're playing mightly playing Mito because those guys have two upsides based on their their pricing. So, yeah, I, I kind of get that. But for me, data driven, I want security within the numbers and try to find leverage with that. Not so much on just a theory or belief of what could upside could happen, because I firmly believe that we can we can kind of predict. Um, we can kind of predict the how a golfer with like those 100 tournament simulations. That's what I'm trying to say, that we can kind of predict on, on a somewhat accurate level how a golfer may finish like a win, a top 10 and 25th. And we don't know which week we're going to get out of those 100 simulations, but 
right? So Linus, you said refresh your browser because you just you just ran an ownership update. Oh, there we go. So I got to do this right now real quick because I want to see who he had. And I'm especially the first name I'm going to well, what Mike just posted. The first name I'm going to is is Homa to see where he's at right now. Oh, I got to make the uh, drafting up here. So bear with me. I appreciate you, Mike. I appreciate you letting me know. So that, so first of all, what we do notice is Mike just updated Rom to 28. That's that's closer to what I thought he'd be. I still think he's going to be 40% and some single entry in the smaller tournaments, but 28% is what I thought. He also bumped Webb up to 22, but I'm going to go down to Homa. Yeah, so this, this is what we thought. Guys, this is what we thought. Max Homa now up to 11, almost 12% percent if you round up. That's, that's, that's what the... The industry is more sound sounding like that's still i think if you know mike if you ran one more tomorrow morning before i think max gets even higher because 12 percent is not bad on him but but he's definitely trending upwards as mike was showing in uh, on fanshare his ownership is trending up so if there's like one more run and maybe mike you could speak to this max may be even higher especially on twitter everyone's posting who they like and so that's that's great so what we thought happened, Jaeger went up a little bit. Uh, Mito went down a little bit, 23% right now. But we're going to come to my favorite golfer, and that's and my favorite golfer this week, and that's Taylor Gooch. You all know that. And look, I'm not a Gooch homer. I'm not like a fan. I mean, he seems like a cool guy. But it's almost like I was saying on my Monday show with Drew, it's almost like a stock with, with Gooch. He, he is very talented especially talented with with the irons and the, the kind of wedges you know within the last 36 and 24th he's he ranks like some of the best in the field from proximity the 100 the one the 124th and especially you know kind of the more recent now if you get into the 50 you know gooch kind of he kind of goes back in the rankings from that uh, proximity 100 to 125 but uh he he, he fits very very well here and and he's 11th off the approach in the last let's say rounds do i have yeah 36 he and when you go to 24 he goes even higher but one thing with gooch is that holds him back and i say it all the time is 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 the off the tee and so at this course yeah the fairways are going to be tighter but i saw and re through the research is that green regulation from the rough is one of the highest on tour maybe the, the highest and so Mike is right. The big news is that ROM bug. And I, I wish that came out. I, you, if you were on the show early, I wish that came out yet tomorrow because I'm a fade of ROM. And so Matt, you're saying home a week. Oh, so they're jurors. Jurors, you're saying you're saying home a week. It, it very, he has a great upside and he's a great bet. He's a great bet. But often in DFS, great bets do not mean great DFS plays. And I don't think he is a great DFS play because I'll be willing to bet that if Mike did another I don't, I don't think you are, Mike, but I, it, if you did another run of your ownership, uh, Homa would spike up just an even more. But uh, he's a great bet. Bet him outright. That's great. But he's not. I don't think he's a good DFS play. I didn't even bet him outright. I don't like him here at this course fit. But let's actually let's go to uh, let's go to Homa on Fanshare and see his course uh, form. Let's just see or course sustainability. And Max is seventy seventh. So that's not good. So that just proves almost that this is not a, a Max Homa course. And so this course sustainability ranking, that's uh, something that Fanshare has on Fanshare Pro. It's, it's really great. Um, and he doesn't, yeah, doesn't have good course history. He doesn't have good 
not so good current form. Yeah, I, I don't like Pullman this week, but he does have great upside, does have excellent upside. But let's just come down to the board a little bit, come finishing up with Taylor Gooch, just like I said, is that he struggles, his, his weakness is maybe off the tee, but even if you're in the rough, there's high, this is the high course we get green reg regulation from the rough. It's not very, you know, penalizing. Stroke chain around the green isn't really important here that much. We want a guy that can kill it with, it's a second shot golf course. Who can kill it with the second shot is Taylor Gooch. And in DFS right now, Mike has him at 7% owned. Give me that at 8K. I personally feel like he's he's talented, you know, almost in the, the range of Max Homa. And so he's really undervalued right now. So big on Max Homa. Uh, Gim, speaking of Gim, I'm surprised to see him at 17%. That's a lot for the Gim Reaper for a guy that, Will, will kill you in many ways, uh, but I'm not going to knock it. What I am worried about is a guy I really love after him, and that's Pat Perez. Love Pat Perez. He's about 18% right now. A little worried um, just just of that, but, but Pat Perez fits really, really well here. Doesn't really drive it well, but drives it great. Hits it well on approach. Um, decently with the, 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 the proximity with those wedges. Awesome and so surprising is how great he is on the strokes again on par five. So be a big, big Perez guy. I like Perez a lot. And I know, you know, we're taking a lot of your time, but I'm going to go down to more in the 7K range in the 6K because that's where I feel like I'm living this week. Living this week because, you know, first, the there's so many unknowns, like the guys from the Corn Ferry Tour. And so the, the salaries are all bad. They're, and, you know, except for the top guys, they're all bad because DraftKings doesn't know. They're just assigning a salary based on what they think a golfer is. But we haven't seen some of these golfers at all, unless you've been following the Corn Ferry Tour. So, you know, no one has talked much about leaving salary on the table. This is a great, if you follow golf and you're a fan, and you follow, know a lot about the Corn Ferry Tour and, you know, can kind of get information from there. Yeah, th these guys are underpriced. But sometimes we think, gosh, if I'm leaving salary on the table, I'm not you know, optimizing my lineup, which it doesn't make, you know, who's, who's like, what model, what projections are you using your own? And so it's just leave some salary on the table, always go with your insight more than, than anyone else really. Let's say kind of church has something. So Homan did not model out, but West coast poet. Yeah. I can't argue with that. He loves, grew up on the West coast. He's an LA kid. Uh, I think went to Cal. So not argue with that, but so I, yeah, better, I, I bet him don't play him in DFS. Betterman don't play in DFS, but let's get back to this fun range. This is where we're living. And so I, I want to say for Telly, I tweeted about him earlier. Uh, he's, he's just awesome. So first for Telly's driving distance is sneaky good. And didn't he, I think in the fall had a top five or top 10 at the masters. He finished top five at the open. So very talented can smoke it off the tee, but he's 11th in the last 36 rounds from proximity to 100 to 125. And he's proximity within because if he hits it farther, he's going to have less of a club in. So let's say we do proximity from 75 to 100. Well, he ranks 21st in the field. So you're talking about a guy, you know, he's like the Cameron Champ maybe of this this tournament last year. The guy that can smoke it off the tee, can kind of when Champ is on, he can hit his wedge well. We saw that in Minnesota at, at 7,500. Fratelli is just stupid. I, he should not be that low. You know, I dare to say I like Fratelli more than 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 Gooch, and I, I do. And Fratelli's six percent, six percent in DraftKings, and 
Speaking of course history, Fanshare has him in the green with a fire because I think he finished 10th and 25th in his last two appearances here. So he has some of the best course history. I can't believe he's going on at 6% at his price at 7,500. Dylan Fratelli, a guy who's finished, you know, top top 10 in the last six majors. So, man, not say, yeah, twice in the last six majors, I should say. Yeah, I, he would not be 75 if he finished on all six majors. So coming down a little bit, Pat Kazire, you know, he has that gooch factor, a guy that can spray it off the tee. If you follow, uh, you know, shot link on the PGA Tour app, Kazire's always in the lake or he's in a he's in a parking garage or he's on a parking lot. He struggles off the tee, but what he can do really, really well is put it and hit it well with some wedges. And so I really like Kazire. Fancher has him at 10%. So so bump to there. And then as we come down, you know, Lanto, some people I've been mentioning him. Joseph Bramland is at at almost four percent. Really surprised to see that. He's a Stanford boy out West. He can kind of smoke it off the tee to hit it close with his wedges. He's, he's not, uh, he's not like excellent with it, but he's, he's good enough to have, have a good week. Um, so yeah, I like Bramlett, you know, Luke list is interesting too. I got another guy who can usually kind of hit it well with his irons, um, but not so great with the wedges, but can smoke it, but look out for Russell Knox too. He's not very long. But gosh, he ranks fifth in the field in approach. He ranks fourth from that very important statistic of 100 to 125. And he also ranks fourth in 125 to 150. So unlike Fratelli, who may have 75 to 100 in a little bit more, because Knox isn't as long, he probably will have 125 to 150 in more. But the good thing in that, he ranks fourth in the field. So Knox is a really, really sneaky play. Really like Russell Knox. Uh, I think I have him and maybe 20%. So he's in the top, you know, he's in the top 20 of my, or top 10 of my highest on guys really like Russell. Um, a lot of love for Pat Rogers. I, frankly, I mean, if he's going to do well, this is a course he, he's going to do well. Um, but man, it's hard. It's hard to buy in the Rogers with some of the statistics, but I will say for Pat's uh, Rogers benefit, he, Pat never models out well, you know, unless, Unless it's like they're playing in Bermuda or something, he tends to do well that coastal course. But he never models that well, and he doesn't this week. He's ranked 135th from proximity to 100 to 125. Again, we know how important that stat is, uh, and just he's just bad with all the wedges, frankly. Now he's great; he can smash it. He can has great driving distance. He, you know, he's pretty good off the tee. But uh, this is his best surface. He's out on the West Coast, so if he can kind of get get something right with the wedges, he could have a good week. But Let's see what Fancher has his ownership at. Uh, and by the way, I don't think I mentioned Russell Knox's four. So Fancher has him at eight. So eight's not bad. Eight's not bad, excuse me, with with Rogers. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm just not buying into that. I, there's other guys around here that I that I want to play. Uh, and speaking of, I'm going to go all the way down because I know we're running a little bit at a time and don't want to keep you guys. But I mentioned Nick Watney in several different ways on Twitter and on uh, my other show. And so Nick Watney's long-term stats are not going to pop out to you. But if, you, uh, if you're playing a guy like Rom, you're going to need to find fit him in the salary saver. And Nick Watney is almost minimum price, 6,100. He's coming in on approach and some ball striking stats, some of the best in the field, looking at to the end of last season. 
And so his longer term stats around 63, I mean, 63 rounds that we're looking or 36 rounds, excuse me. Yeah, his wedges aren't great. He's actually pretty decent at um, 75 to 100. When I say decent, he's about middle of the field. Um, but I love where he's trending because when we're looking at guys who are very inconsistent and maybe just flat out bad, like the guys in the lower 6K range, we can play them sometimes week if we're getting a, a nice little quick peek with the ball striking stats. You know, that's how we can kind of identify those, you know, huge long shots that maybe get a top 10 or maybe even win one like one league. So, you know, like Chesson Hadley uh, in Carolina last last year was almost he was less than one percent on. I had him in a ton of lineups. He, you know, lost it on the back on on Sunday. But I identified his peak that week because of the ball striking trend. And I know we haven't played in a few weeks or Nick hasn't, but Nick has showed a little bit of that. And at 6,100, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to throw in a few little, you know, ownership shares of them in your pool. And if you're trying to fit them in with Rom, I kind of like that. Um, so look out for, for Nick Watney this week, didn't Nick Watney. So Chesson Hadley. So coach talked about Chess or is mentioning Chesson Hadley. Um, it, it, this course fits him. Justin Hadley can kind of, if he gets it rolling like he did in, in, in Carolina and South Carolina at the Palmetto, he can have a great because he does hit it well. He, let's pull up his stats on, on with the wedges and see what he's at. Yeah, so in the middle of the road, I think this, if we ran this model with some lesser rounds, like 25th, some more frequently he would do a lot better, but he's middle of the road or just a little bit better. So that's great. He, you know, Justin's never going to pop um on these models but based on everything about his game maybe his his strength is with the wedges um uh, and again that's not great but it's one of the better statistics that he does have that i'm looking at so if his strength fires this is a course fit let's just see maybe through on fanshare his course sustainability ranking what that might be to see if he's a good fit because chesson could go very under the radar uh, much like at palmetto and frankly this is a pretty similar course so let's see here. I don't know why this isn't loaded. There we go. So he's projected 2% on. Oh, well, the good thing is he's about 49th in course sustainability ranking and course kind of course fit too. He's, pre he's pretty well. So that that's pretty nice for Cheston at seven, seven K. I'm a little surprised he's that expensive. Um, but he's, he's a good play, especially at 2%. Cheston Hadley is a, is a good play. Well, if there's nothing else, that's what we're leaving you with. Again, don't be afraid to leave salary on the table. Don't be afraid to, uh, again, hopefully not, focus on process over the content. So, again, content is just your weekly results uh, because what, what really derails players is after a tournament happens, we think, okay, what did I get right? What did I get wrong? And when I got wrong, I have to change it up because I don't want to make that mistake again. And in DFS, you don't have to do something wrong to have a good week. You can actually do something right every, you know, on, and on every sort of way and have a losing week. So that's why we really want to focus more on your process. Likely, if you're listening to this show and if you're on Twitter or whatever, you're really, really good at what you do. You're great at picking golfers. And so trust yourself what really makes DFS tricky is if you don't trust yourself and fear gets in and then it, you kind of keep changing up your strategy and you're just inconsistent and inconsistent to make you vulnerable. It kind of it gives your games holes and we don't want that. So trust yourself. You guys are good at what you do. I appreciate y'all. 
welcome back to the season. I'm excited to be doing this and appreciate yours very much. So much love, respect, bless up, do something you want to do, take care of yourselves and we'll see you next week. Good luck this guys. Oh, coach, I will say you want to talk about cash plays. I'll give you some cash plays. Rom is a cash play. We'll see what, how his stomach is tomorrow. But of course, Rom's a cash play. Hoffman Perez is a cash is a cash play. And if I had to give you one guy down below, uh, oh, I didn't mention Doc. Like Doc, he's not a cash game play. But let's just find you one lower guy who could be a cash game. I'll actually I'll give you a cash game play because of his his uh, what I talked about earlier. Be his course history how he's a course fit, and that's Fratelli. Fratelli, I would lock him in cash play. So, Coach, appreciate you. You guys take care. We'll see you tomorrow. Let's, let's stay in touch, and let's have a good week.